Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scores. Nathan McKinnon, call J.T. Comfer, 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog, collective hugs, 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. <laughs> Welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. I'm Nathan Rudolph. We have Luke Marshall back on for Wednesday's show. On Monday, we talked about some of the trades the Avs made. Yesterday, we kind of went over the depth chart and talked about the additions. But the Avs also did a lot of in-house work this offseason, filling out some contracts that they had a significant amount of RFAs to take care of, a couple that were potential UFAs, and even one that kind of a big deal that they haven't signed yet, but we'll get to that in a minute. First off, Luke, how are you doing on this fine Wednesday? I'm doing good. I'm happy to talk Avs as usual, and uh, I'm feeling still a little bit starstruck. This morning I uh, saw Paul Stasny at breakfast, so it was a pretty pretty cool experience for me. So I've never seen a pro sports player in real life, and that was, that was pretty fun. So anyway, it got me even more excited to talk. I don't know if I've ever actually met an NHL player in the wild. I see him at training camp or, or walking around family sports center at times, but never at like a restaurant or anything. So that's interesting. And especially one that I guess hasn't been an app for a while now in Paul Stastny. But. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it was so surprising. It was like, you know, what is he doing here? I know, I know he's a big uh, Colorado guy and that he's still had interest in coming back. And, and I think you said that he has a place here uh, in the summers, but yeah, it was it was really cool to see him. Yeah, yeah, it's it's always interesting to see the players that end up sticking around and and the ones who move out to somewhere else. It, yeah. A lot of people supposedly like Colorado. I hear a lot of ex players end up coming back to the town. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm all in. If I could yeah. see more, I'm all in. <laughs> right. I'm a, exactly. But for now, we're going to talk about some players that are still contracted with this team. A lot of things to get through. We'll start small. One of the first things the Avs took care of on the defensive end was getting Ryan Graves signed. It's a bit of an interesting situation we've touched on before, bringing in guys like Connaughton, bringing in guys like Callie Rosen. They did end up signing Graves. It is to a two-way deal, so he could well get sent down back to the Eagles, and they would save a little bit of money. It is 350 k in the minors, so that's a pretty expensive minor price, 
and he's waiver eligible, so there is a bit of risk in sending him down. But I'm curious where he fits in because I do think he may have an opportunity to earn a spot as well with the Avs. Yeah, so uh, obviously he played 26 games with the Avs last year, 32 with the Eagles. Um, in the games that he played for the Avs, I was really, really imp- impressed with his play. And it, I may have a little bit of uh, bias because I was there for his first goal against the Rangers, nice. uh, which was just, I mean, the grin on his face when he was sitting on the uh, on the bench. That was yeah. really cool to see. So I'm a big Graves fan. But in general, I liked his uh, offensive abilities and his confidence uh, in those games. And he also showed the defensive responsibility and the willingness to go into those deep areas and dig out pucks and um, be responsible in his own end. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely be excited to see what he can do at the NHL level, uh, give him full full time. But like you said, there's so many additions on the Avs defense, especially left-handed guys, that it's really tough to see which one's going to end up being the best. And obviously, for the Avs' sake, you want to get the guy who's going to play the best for you over an 82-game stretch. Um, And so... You know, whether that's Connaughton because of his NHL experience, Graves because of his upside, or or Rosen, I mean, who knows? But uh, I'm definitely partial to seeing Graves up there if, if, if the, we can see it. Yeah, I, I certainly think he will get NHL games at some point this year, assuming he doesn't get claimed or anything like that. I'm just not sure exactly when. It's he, I have a hard time giving him the inside line to one of the spots just because... The Avs actively went out and chased Callie Rosen in a trade. Kind of the same thing with Connaughton. It it seems like they want to get those guys into the lineup and play, and and we've talked in the past as well. Graves, not really a PKer, and that's something that the Avs are probably going to be looking to fill, especially with a bottom-pairing defenseman. So I'm not sure how good the fit is with what skills he brings. He does the work defensively, but his skating has not been the best it can cost him at times he got away with it a lot last season he had like one of the highest pdos on the entire team i think and if he can continue to be lucky then keep him in the lineup and he can be your four leaf clover i guess but i'm not sure where this contract goes after this because it's just a one-year deal and i guess it comes down to the opportunity if he plays a full game or a full 82 game season or most of it you'll see this turn into a one-way deal and he may well end up as a regular in the abs bottom six if that opportunity gets taken by a rosen or something like that boy i'm not even sure if the abs will end up resigning him yeah and and the the mix-up of that third pairing i think is going to be one of the most interesting developments coming out of camp because you've got so many left-handed guys specifically um but you know if you if you're going to go graves and rosen then you're not really throwing together a very defensive pair there um they're pretty offensive minded and then Connaughton, while he's you know a bigger more defensively responsible player his defense isn't isn't all-star so um he's kind of the guy that you don't see as much of the upside on but we know how much bednar likes his nhl players to be uh, experienced and values that experience over the offensive upside. So I, I think that they just decided to give themselves options. But yeah, I the the interesting part is seeing how all these contracts play out, but I think it's going to be whoever can wow them the most is the one that's going to get the uh, extension and the long-term signing. Yeah, it's not a contract they signed this year, but in the same uh, conversation, Mark Barbario has one year left on his deal. It is 
not a cheap deal. If they want to bury it, it's going to still count a bit against the cap. But as you said, bringing in the veteran experience cannot. And is that kind of the last nail in the coffin for Barbario? Because that was Barbario, the guy who had NHL experience for the abs. All of a sudden last year, they did not trust him at all. Basically avoided playing him when he was healthy and he was also injured for a large portion of the season, and it seems like he has very quickly been pushed out of that conversation. Yeah, I mean, so if if that is indeed the nail in the coffin for him, then I think that's a really expensive nail because, you know, putting him down in the AHL at, uh, is it still 1.45 mil a year? Yeah, yeah. I believe so. so. If, if he's still at that um, throughout the year, then that's, that's really expensive to be paying an AHL defenseman. Um, and he's, like you said, he's kind of that same as Connaughton, but the question is, you know, is he that much better than a Rosen or a Graves or a Byram or a Connaughton, I guess, uh, to jump into that, that bottom three, um, because Connaughton has the more NHL experience and, you know, while Barbario showed a lot of promise, uh, with, with Montreal and with the Avs, it's, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not he's able to even crack this lineup. And and there's just so much depth at that left-handed position. I can't emphasize yeah. that enough. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, pretty much everything he had going for him when he signed that contract has disappeared in the matter of a year. And that's just kind of the reality of uh, the situation with a team that is is growing into their first legitimate playoff window in a long time right right i think that's kind of as as people have been watching the abs through their horrible years for so long that's why it's so uh frustrating <laughs> and weird for us is like we have so many so many guys with talent and we want to see them play and then we're like oh well it's because we're too good right you know it, so i guess it's it's a good problem to have but. yeah <laughs> something i can get behind for sure if we're too good to play players then you got to be doing something right all right, we'll get back to the defenseman in a bit, but I do want to jump into the forward conversation with Vladislav Kamenev, another guy who has been injured now for pretty much the majority of the past two years. He did right. finally get some NHL time, but right when it felt like he was starting to get his legs under him last season, bang, out for the rest of the season again. They did give him a one-year deal. It is one way at 750k, so it seems like they have faith in him to be on the NHL roster. We've talked before yesterday, we talked about the Avs' depth, likely starting as the 13th forward. How does he make the most of this opportunity and get himself into the Avs' lineup? Yeah, so, I mean, kind of a sim- situation similar to Connor, Connor Timmons. Wow. Um, yeah. I think that it's really kind of a risky play because you've got a guy who's not played in NHL games very often. He's been injured. Um, and for him, it was a broken arm. So it's a little bit different. He can still keep those legs up, but yeah. uh, it's a lot of trust to put into a guy that really doesn't have that much NHL experience. That being said, as a 13th forward, a guy who's going to scratch for uh, at least the beginning of the season, and then we'll see what happens with injuries. I'm okay with that. Um, and I think that you know, the abs are the ones who are seeing him on a day-to-day basis in those practices and whatnot. So I, I trust their their expertise there. But um, the interesting thing is he might have to play out of position depending on what the injury is. So, um, you know, him playing on the wing could uh, – he could step up in that role, but obviously he's more comfortable at that center. So I guess we'll have to see how that all plays out. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind the idea of it. Putting him on a one-year deal, it's kind of saying – 
all right, he, he's a, he's a backup and and that's not expensive, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, no harm, no foul there, right? If he pans out and he can finally stay healthy and, and be an active contributor in the lineup, sure, you might pay him a little bit more next year, but yeah. it's not going to really be a significant increase against the cap. So it's an easy give it a shot. If it works out, great. If not, okay, bye. Right, and it, and if he ends up working out and you know we have someone else uh, from the Eagles, be that A.J. Greer, be that whoever, uh, you know, seeing Kamenev go and being able to maybe trade him for some assets and get some of those picks back, I'm okay with that as well. So Yes, let's get into the A.J. Greer conversation then. Uh, a very dicey situation, I guess I'll say. He was QO'd and then a couple of days later got into that legal trouble that, right. that everyone knows about now. We still don't have all the details. We'll probably never truly have all of the details other than just hearsay about what happened. But in the end of the day, he does end up getting signed to an extremely cheap deal, very little money in the NHL and extremely low. The AHL is just 90000 He's going to be one of the lowest, if not the lowest. No, well, the ELCs will be less, but non-ELC player on the Eagles, he's going to be the lowest paid one by, by a good amount. So... He's another guy who's waiver eligible. Someone I've said in the past, I think is at risk of getting claimed if they definitely do try to send him down. I'm just not sure how the Avs make it work with him. Do they have him as the 14th forward? Can they sneak him through and have him play with the Eagles for a time this year? And even so it's now or never for him to get into the NHL. Uh, How does he get there? Yeah. So like you said, the cheap contract, I mean, that's fine with me all day. I'll take that. But, um, yeah, it, it definitely shows something to say that as the second leading scorer on the Eagles, he has 90K in the AHL. That's pretty pretty noticeable. And I think uh, what AJ has talked about in the past on this podcast where you know he, he's experienced some of the, uh, the tension between Greer and some of his teammates, uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. And I think, I think that's the issue for me more than anything is – we saw Bednar not be confident to pull him up over a guy like Gabe Bork, where obviously yeah. Greer clearly has the upside. Um, he has penalty issues, and if it really is a, a locker room problem and a chemistry issue, I, I think that's something that Bednar definitely values. So it wouldn't surprise me if that was one of the major reasons why he didn't get to see more time last year. Um, in terms of the signing and, and how they're going to use him, I think the – waiver issue is going to be a really big deal because, you know, if you call him up as a 14th forward, then you're stuck with him for the year unless you're just going to lose him for nothing. And, right. Um, while the Avs may say this guy is, you know, a cancer in the locker room or whatever, and they don't want to uh, commit to him, I don't think losing him for nothing is is really the, the way to do it. So I'd be surprised if we see him too much in the NHL, but it also, it's just going to depend on those injuries and what we see happens. Um, in terms of the, the, the bar scene issue, I, it, you know, you want to give a guy the benefit of the doubt, sure. but it, it could just be an indication that that, that character is, is really not good for the locker room. And I think the fact that he takes a lot of penalties kind of, kind of emphasizes that a little bit, that maybe he's not, doesn't have a grip on his emotions as best as he could. Yeah. Uh, Again, I, I don't want to go too much into the situation, but sure. the fact that the situation exists is, you know, maybe you find a way to prevent that from ever coming up in the first place. Right. But it's it's just looking tough for me with Greer and the Avs. It's 
it was going to be now or never taking the step into the NHL this year anyway. And getting sent down to the Eagles at this point, unless he can somehow claw his way back into the NHL and just play well enough that they can't possibly send him back, it's probably going to be the end of his time right. with the Avs. And and if I'm the Avs, I'm definitely more comfortable in pulling up a guy like Kaut who's, yeah, who's shown the ability to uh, step up and, and commits to everything on and off the ice. Because we've seen players have those issues in Colorado and it not work out. Like Matt Duchesne seems like he didn't get along with a lot of the guys in the locker room and it, and it resulted in not as good a play and then yeah. obviously his departure. So... I, I think if that's something they value, then that's that's very smart because it's something that I value as well. Yeah, it's it's an interesting point that you bring up a guy like Kaut because even without whatever his off-ice issues are, this is just how the NHL works. The next wave is coming. Kaut, right. Bowers, those players are coming. And if you're not ready to play in the NHL right now today, they're going to pass you and you're going to get left behind. Right. The Avs have plenty of guys who have bought into their system and are, are trying to be as good as they can uh, down there. So... You know, if, if they have options, yeah, I wouldn't be tempted to pull up Greer if I don't need to, especially with that waivers issue. I think that's the yeah. key there. Right. Well, excuse me. I can definitely tell you that one thing you do at bars that you should do is drink some beer. So it's time that I take a second to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that we've been raving about for a while now. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they are calling this a light-hearted Kolsch ale, but for those of you who don't know what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer and make sure you also check out the Breckenridge event calendar on BSN Denver. You can see all of the events we have planned on there and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and come have a good time with us. It's going to do it for segment one. In segment two, we'll be back talking about some of the bigger signings and working our way up. Who can help you find exactly what you're looking for? But I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. Uh, wines, I find them extremely helpful in ha- helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.
Second segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. All right, we covered most of the smaller signings in the first segment. Really quick, just wanted to touch on Pavel Francouz. We've talked about him a lot lately, but he did get signed to a one-year, one-way deal. This has pretty much locked him in as the Avs backup. Nothing new here. We've already kind of established this, but it is in line with his contract. Yeah, so I, in terms of the, the term and the and the cost, I think that's all good. Um, the only issue is, you know, if he does have to come in for a Grubauer injury or if Grubauer is just not ready for that starter job and he pulls a Jordan Bennington and goes yeah. all-star, then then you're looking at paying your backup goalie a really, really big amount in the, uh, next season. But uh, at the same time, you know, that's a, that's a big if and that, a right. lot of things have to happen for that to be a thing. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I think making him your backup, I think they kind of, their hand was forced with Varlamov and just yeah. the way that that ended. Um, sad to see him go because... I loved watching him over the years, but um, it was definitely time for Francis. In terms of player development, they did it perfect. Um, they had had him come up right at the time when they said that Grubauer could become that full-time starter. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that in terms of games, I know you and Andre touched on that yesterday, but uh, you know, if we can see him in that 30-game, 25-30 game role, that would be perfect just because we've seen how that can how Grubauer specifically and goalies around the NHL can play if their backup is good enough to give them some rest going into the playoffs. So I would definitely like to see him be able to hold his own. Um, and if he can do that in terms of a solid amount of backup games, then I'd be really excited for what the Avs can do at goalie. Yeah, it's another good problem to have. If right. Oh, no, our, our backup goalie played too well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely no complaints as far as that goes. With him, it's still just... What can he do in the NHL? Wait and see, and, right. and we'll get to find out sooner rather than later, hopefully. Okay, so that's all of the guys that, that make less than seven figures. Now we get into the interesting stuff. We can touch on Belmar really quick, another guy we've talked about a lot. They did sign him to a two-year deal. I've been pretty vocal about not loving this, especially <laughs> yep. the second year. How do you feel about it? So uh, we talked yesterday. I'm, I'm going to be writing a piece on special teams coming yeah. up here pretty quick. Um, and his special teams numbers are some of the best in the league. He's better than uh, any of the guys on the Avs. He was the third most played player on uh, San Jose, or San Jose, geez, Vegas's uh, penalty kill. And so top most played forward. And he, uh, and Vegas was second or third, I believe, in the league in terms of PK. So I, I think that that's the value they added there. I'm, I know that it's not ideal for a guy like Kamenev, a guy like Bowers, even Kaut, but um once again, good problem to have. And I, th yeah. I think for the Avs, in terms of penalty kill, they're really going to have to mash some stuff together next year. Uh, a lot of their PKers are gone, so seeing Belmar be able to jump in there and maybe pro provide some consistency on a team where we drew the most penalties and also committed the most penalties last year, so had the most instances of power plays and PKs, our special teams is definitely something that we need yeah. to address. Yeah. So. I'm okay with it from that sense. Um, the thing that doesn't make the most sense to me is the two-year factor of it. 
Um, cause then you're really putting those guys down in the AHL that need to come up. Yeah. And that, right. The second year is, you know, what happens when you, it's time to get Bowers in, it's time to get Kamenev right. in and it, it still doesn't happen for you because yeah. you have Belmar sitting there on top of that. He's 34. Boy, you're giving two <laughs> years to a fourth line player yep. at yeah. age 34. Yeah, so I mean, that might uh, you could definitely see him being a guy that the Avs buy out, perhaps yeah. because I mean that center depth is not going to change. You know, unless you see JT Comfer leaving in um, the Seattle expansion, you've got Kadri locked up for the next few years, JT Comfer locked up for the next few years, and then yeah, you've got guys like Kamenev if he works out, and Bowers who, assuming after next year he should be ready to go in NHL, but I guess we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, and then you've got Alex Newhook in a couple years, so yeah. I, once again, as we've been saying, good problem to have. We have a lot of center depth. But, yeah, the two years is the interesting part there. I think they're probably looking at seeing how the the penalty kill goes and um, if he becomes such an integral part that they think he's necessary, that maybe they'll keep him on for that last year. And if not, I think you see a buyout happen there. Yeah, I I mean, buyout or, or potentially or just bury the contract or whatever. Sure, yeah, I, sure, that's it. Either way, it's it's not enough money that it's super impactful. Right. But on the other hand, $1.8 for a fourth liner does feel a bit expensive. Yeah, and that's kind of the the MO of the Avs right now. I mean, yeah. you got Matt Calvert and, and Matt Nieto on your fourth line, which I love that as a fourth line, but right. it's, it's expensive. It is. It's this is the price you have to pay if you can't develop that depth. Right. And hopefully the abs can over the next couple of years, but they haven't up to this point. So, yeah. I mean, and considering the cap situation they're in and the flexibility they have, right. I really don't mind it yeah. this year. It's the upcoming years where, okay, you need to ship out those, those bottom six guys that you're paying more than a couple mil and throw in the development. And right. I think, I think actually that's something that, I think that kind of goes in line with their plan because they have so many guys who you could see slotting into that bottom six in the AHL and in development. Certainly. it's It'll be a new situation actually having to ship players out, but we'll get there when we get there. Let's move on to a couple of the wingers. Uh, the Burakovsky trade we've kind of already covered. The one-year deal, prove it. Also bringing in Colin Wilson. Yeah, back who was pending UFA and and shortly before free agency they brought him back at at two point six million for one year. This feels like an ultimate stopgap to me. They they throw Colin Wilson on there. They say go play for us for this year just in case Cout isn't ready. And as soon as Cout's ready, bye. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean Cout or Greer, it's either Greer one too, of them. That's fair. Yeah. yeah, and I think for me that's part of what it showed was their lack of confidence in Greer because realistically you could have thrown Matt Calvert on your third line and, and put, yeah, either Cout or Greer onto your fourth and that's that's fine. Or or the other way around, you throw one of those guys on your third line. But um, I think the other thing that's kind of – that people are sleeping on is that, you know, Wilson had an incredible playoffs. What was it? I think it's eight, eight points in ten games. Is that right? Yeah, eight, he eight was points very, in 12 very games. Yes. So he, he had a really good playoff performance. He showed the ability to play alongside uh, top liners, um, top sixers, and and produce, and so especially in the playoffs. So I think this is going to be a commonality in the coming years as the Avs are a team that are definitely looking towards the cup, and they're saying we want 
to go the distance, you're going to see these kind of contracts where you're like, eh, I, you know, I don't know. Is he just that stopgap? But if they think he's he's the X factor that could push them over the edge, then then they're going to go for it. So, um, I it's yeah, it seems like he fits well in the locker room and he's he fits on the team. So I, I don't have a huge problem with it. But um, in terms of development, yeah, it is a little frustrating I, to see that gap. I I guess my question is. You trust Belmar with a two-year deal, but then you can't give Wilson one. It's just a bit of a weird situation in, in that regard to if you want him to be the that type of X factor, why not commit to him a little bit more? Yeah, and and yeah, signing Belmar for, at 34. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I can't really and explain that, but who knows what goes on at the negotiating table. Of course, of table. course. If someone had a two-year deal at 1.6 out there and they felt like he was the guy, it is what it is. Sure. But, uh, so a little weird to me that Wilson is kind of the, the odd one that sticks out of a lot of the contracts they ended up bringing back. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm, I know you and AJ have touched yeah. on the, uh, uh, what do you call it? The clutch factor, clutch yeah. gene that you guys have <laughs> clutch, debated on. Yeah. But I, I really think that you can't, uh, pay too much for a guy that can produce in the playoffs. And so Colin Wilson showed last year that he had the chemistry, he had the ability to step up. I think that's huge. And uh, yeah, so I I don't know. I I don't mind the signing, but I I do see the question marks surrounding it because it doesn't make the most sense. A little bit of a tangent there. If you you don't mind paying for guys who score in the playoffs, feelings on the Derek Broussard happenings of last season then. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, uh, I I don't hate it. At the time, I, I was, you know, when it happened, I said, okay, I, I like that. You know, this is a guy that, once again, kind of like Burakovsky, you're looking at the upside on him. You're saying, okay, we've seen him produce before. He's on the older side, but he might be able to provide us with a little bit of depth. And going down the stretch, it it while he ended up kind of faltering and not being able to produce as well as we had hoped, he did provide us with some injury help Um throughout the season and and you know Matt Calvert getting hurt in, in the playoffs and no longer getting to play you guys had to step up and he was one of them so yeah it, it didn't end up working in the best of the Avs favor but I, I think in terms of if you're exchanging you know third round or below for a, a player that you think can give you a legitimate chance at depth in the playoffs I'm okay with that um, him Broussard specifically I kind of wish they had gone after someone a little younger maybe with a little more upside but you know, you get what you can get. Yeah, I, I'm not as big a fan of it. I I never liked the deal. I thought it was a role that could be filled again back With to some the depth. prospects. Yep. Yeah, and and that's a fair argument for sure. And sometimes those are the gambles you got to take. Just wasn't for me with Broussard. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rest uh, everything on Broussard here. Yeah, certainly. That, it's, it's one of those that, you know, I'm I'm trying to see it from Sackick's perspective, and from there I can justify it a little bit. But uh, at the same time, yeah, it's it's it also is consistent with some of his signings, which have been older guys who he used to see play well and aren't necessarily looking too good at this point in their careers. So. Yeah, so the first big, as in length, contract we get to here, JT Comper, as already mentioned, he's a player that there's going to be an expectation of stepping it up to the next level with a four-year deal at $3.5 million. He has bounced up and down the Avs lineup, has shown a lot of good things, some inconsistency to that game, not to the level of a Tyson Jost, 
but also not pushing it to the next level of, of being able to consistently play on, say, a second line. So I, I think a 3C is a great spot for him, as I've said in the past, but what does he need to do to get value out of that contract? So first of all, yeah, I agree. Great position for him at 3C. Uh, I love seeing the size and grit out of a guy, third line, you know, the ability to add that skill though that that makes him still a threat at goal scoring but you know kind of provides that nastiness at the third line um but i think what he needs to show is his versatility and that's something we've seen in the past that's really really valuable with him and he needs to emphasize that while also showing that he can produce he's gonna get big pk minutes pp minutes um and he'll be expected to be a member of the bottom six but also be able to jump up into that top six um, so yeah, I think it's just the ability for him to step up when we need him to, um, especially if you get injuries to that top six, I think he's going to be one of the names that's called to jump up. And so when we talk Tyson Jost, obviously I think he could replace him in, in certain situations. Um, but I, I also think he could jump up for other players and if he's able to produce at that level, then I think that contract is going to seem way worth it by the end of it. Yeah, I, I definitely think I like the term on it quite a bit. Yeah. You you managed to nab a, a year of UFA for him there. And the cost is, for someone who you are not worried about as being a third-line player, it's just a question of how much more can you get out of right, him. Right, That's not a contract that's going to hurt you. So I do think there's opportunity to get good value there. I know you've talked about wanting to try him on power play one certainly should get at least power play two time and is a guy who can PK for you. And I'm sure you'll talk about all of this in your article. Yep. Uh, So now you're talking about building around him. And the first signing the abs made in free agency was Jonas Donskoy. Another four year deal, a little bit older than Confer getting paid a little bit more has a little bit more of that consistent production. Is he, the rock that can kind of hold that third line together. Is that what you see his role as being? Yeah, absolutely. I I think that he's that more consistent player that you want to have in your bottom six, but that can kind of same as JT that could jump up in given situations. Um, And yeah, so the consistency there is nice. And last year, obviously he had a bit of a down year, but um, I think coming onto a younger, faster team, he'll only benefit from that. And like I said, I think, I think JT is going to take a big step and become a little bit more consistent. And I think adding Donskoy on his wing to be the guy that that feeds that consistency is I, – I love the signing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't love it when they first did it. I thought it was solid, but he wasn't the piece that I was after in free sure. agency. And then – they got Kadri, and you go, right. great. I was oh. about to say, that was also yeah. at the time when yeah. we were like, is that it? <laughs> yeah, right. It didn't feel like enough until the other pieces came right. along. Yeah, so so then he provides that consistency. And and as I said last time, if he can jump up for Jost, then you know, you've know you got a, a line of Kadri and uh, Donskoy that are both going to be consistent players for you. You know what you're getting out of them. So I think I think on a team built around players who are developing and they have that inconsistency, it's refreshing to have someone who you know is going to be pretty consistent on your third line. Yeah. Is this the Avs learning their lesson a little bit? It, it, their first attempt at this involved going out and getting real 
veterans, 30-plus-year-old veterans to play <laughs> alongside these young guns. Yeah. And they did that a little bit in Belmar, but, or Belmar, but the fourth line is a little bit different when it comes to that. Trying to play, say, a Francois Beauchemin in your top four. Brad Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They seem to be moving in the right direction there. Donskoy's 27, an experienced NHL player, not going to fall off a cliff for the Avs anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's perfect in terms of the model that they're going with. Um, you know, we saw them try with like a, a Jerome Ginla as a guy who um, yeah. honestly should have been better than he was with the team. But, you know, he's on the older side and they said, OK, well, we can provide the young guys with mentorship in terms of older guys. But uh, this is cross sport. You know, you see it with even like Peyton Manning yeah, and, and yeah. his his uh, uh, younger QBs or Joe Flacco and his younger QBs. It's. The the gap in age, you don't want it to be too much because then it's not going to be a mentorship. It's, uh, it's you know, those guys are still trying to keep their legs under them. And if they're around young guys, they're going to be intimidated to be better and faster. So having, having Donskoy as someone who's in that same age group and can kind of relate, but also provide some of that veteran leadership, I think, I think is definitely valuable. Yeah. I don't know if I'd say Jerome McGinley was ever intimidated. But, well, yeah, probably. but I, I, I <laughs> hear not. what you're saying. Yeah. It, it's two very different play styles. Aginla's on his last legs trying to keep up and keep exactly. doing what he's doing when he's lost a step. And it's just you have to play the game an entirely different way than someone who's 22 and right. just flying all over the ice. Yeah, and that's what I mean is is as as I've heard a lot of players say, when you get to that older age, you kind of have to adjust your role yeah. and realize that, okay, I'm not going to be the fastest guy in this right. locker room anymore. And so I think that's hard for a lot of guys who are getting to that age. Um, and so someone someone like Donskoy, who still has the ability at 27 uh, to, be, to use his speed and his skill um, and still be that third-line rock, yeah, I'm all for it. And and obviously, as he ages into that 30-year, 30 30-year, 30 31-year-old range, he'll be on the third line and won't be too much of a uh, of a detriment for you. You're not expecting him to be a top-six guy for you, for although sure. he could be. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll be a detriment. I, of course, you never know. Injuries yeah, exactly. happen, whatever. But I, I think that's a good place to end segment two, that— Makes up a lot of the core of the Avs roster this year, but still have a couple of big guys to come in the final segments. First, got to pay a couple bills here. If you've lost a step like Jerome McGinley or someone, maybe consider ordering your alcohol in. That's right. You can order your alcohol in from Total Beverage, and right now they are offering 30% off of your purchase of $25 or more. Use code BSN2019 online or on the Total Beverage app, which you can download today. As you may or may not know, Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder and from Aurora to Brighton. And they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they now offer CBD products. That's right. From drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive 30% off your purchase of $25 or more for the BSN fam. And better yet, you don't have to leave the comfort of your own home. Get it delivered. Cheers. Third and final segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast, still presented by The Green Solution, still with Luke and Nathan. We're talking about contracts today. We've covered all of the small fish it's time to get into the big guys. The first of them, meaning physically large human being, in Nikita Zadorov. Signed a one-year deal, 
$3.2 million a year. This seems like a kick-it-down-the-road kind of deal. It wasn't any commitment to Zadorov. It wasn't big money like Zadorov supposedly wanted. I wonder where the Avs go from here. Is What does Zadorov have to do or prove to maintain position in the Avalanche organization? Well, I mean, he's carved out the role for himself as that physically intimidating guy, but where he hasn't shown the prowess at all is on the offensive end. So if he's able to you know, meet a little bit more of his upside in that sense. Cause that, that was the idea of him as a prospect was look how big and strong and physical this guy is. And he can produce offensively. If you just want a big, strong physical guy, that's it's fun to watch. It's really fun to watch. And I actually like that in terms of, I think every team needs guys like that on their defensive end, but is it worth it if he's not producing? Cause you can find big players who can produce um, just not maybe as, as, uh, physically imposing as Zadorov, so um, I yeah I like keeping him, and I think the the one year deal is is great because th- yeah this is pretty much it for him. I think I think it's kick it down the road in terms of you know it's it's more of a try and see actually because it's if he doesn't produce this season at more of an offensive level, I think he's either gone or he's used to be exposed in the Seattle expansion. So for one way or the other, he's out of here. Um, so. Yeah, right now he's he's definitely being slightly overpaid, I think. I mean, he didn't he didn't quite get the money that I guess he was expecting, but I don't know how he was expecting a yeah, lot more than yeah. that. <laughs> um, so he's he's being a little bit overpaid, but once again, I don't mind that because I think that at least right now with the way that the Avs decor is set up with these young, smaller uh, players, it's good to have someone like that, especially when come playoff time because I think I think you need someone to uh, physically batter down the other team. So I, I do like that from him. But yeah, I, I, I've been disappointed in his ability to, to score. We've seen that slap shot and how powerful it can be, but he just doesn't use it enough and doesn't get it on the net enough. So um, maybe him playing alongside some of the younger guys uh, who can drive some of the offense will kind of help it come out of him. Um, so whether that be him and Kel McCarr or who knows we'll see in the future but him playing with those younger guys hopefully will help him kind of come out of his offensive shell yeah it might just end up being a numbers game to be honest 3.2 million dollars is too much for a bottom pairing defenseman right it just is and you have sam gerard in your top four you have kale mccarr going to be in your top four ej at this point still expected to be in the top four at least when he's healthy kind of the same story for Cole, but Cole's going to be out for a little while. For Zadorov to continue at this price point with the Avs, because his QL will now be $3.2 million, he needs to earn that f- number four defenseman spot for me. Well, yeah, and I think I think as of right now, I think he has it uh, pretty, pretty solidly going into the, the season, but yeah, it's going to be whether or not he can maintain that role at, at, at a good level. So yeah, if he can prove that in the future, he could be that, that fourth defenseman, then he's going to be someone that they're going to want to sign and protect uh, for the expansion. But if you've got Byram, McCarr, Gerard, and then you throw in Zadorov, if he can be a little bit offensive and, and big, that's huge for you. Then you can put EJ on your bottom pair with whoever else. Um, but at the same time, we've, we've seen the, the defensive depth, like we were talking about in the earlier segment. Yeah. So 
it's 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 up to him. If he can't produce them, we're gonna find someone someone mm-hmm. younger, someone uh, that we have in the system already that's gonna step up for him. So cough, Bowen Byram, cough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I I don't know, man. I, I I don't know what to expect out of him. I think if he has one of those slow starts again, yeah. Bednar is going to lose his freaking mind and yeah. send him down to the AHL or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be surprising. No, yeah, but, but, but no, I hear you. It, uh, yeah, uh, he, he has to find that consistency in the start of the year yeah. or you're going to see people start to pass him just straight up. Yeah. Yeah, and and the Avs also want to maximize if they do decide to move him, they want to be able to trade him for good value. So, ugh, yeah, yeah. If if he throws another season together where he he's not going to be able to do that, then, uh, yeah, you, you've lost a lot of a uh, lot of upside in that in that trade that they made with Buffalo so long ago. Yeah, it's it's an interesting trade these days. A whole lot of the pieces just kind of are around yep. it, yeah. a trade that arguably Zadorov was the biggest piece of at the time. Now it's probably JT Comfer. Yeah. You've had some picks that you haven't made a ton out of, out of it. You've had Gregor Ranko as part of it that yeah. was gone fairly quickly. <laughs> and, and people forget Jamie McGinn was traded as well in this trade. This wasn't yeah. just O'Reilly for all of this. It's, I still wouldn't say the Avs lost it, certainly with Buffalo flipping O'Reilly. Say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Buffalo doesn't have either yeah, of those guys right. anymore. So. <laughs> so it was just a weird trade that I guess it worked out for the Avs because they got futures and ended up getting something out of the deal. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I think, I mean, boy, after seeing what o- Ryan O'Reilly did, it's it's, yeah. tough, oh. to, it's tough to say that you, you won that, but... Just JT Comfer in general. I'm yeah. I'm high enough on him that I think you know I I would I would take him all day. Um, but yeah, until we see the the top four potential kind of pan out with Zadorov, uh, yeah, it seems a little weak, questionable for sure. Yeah. Well, the other big trade of Matt Duchesne netted us some kid named Sam Gerard. <laughs> Might be all right at the whole defense thing. Av said. Let's get this done. He still has a year left on his ELC, but they gave him the f- extension, five million a year till he's twenty nine. Yeah, how, uh, just making me think about it. How much did Tyler Meyer sign for? Six. I think it was six flat, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so if you're getting Gerard for seven at five, you know those defensive contracts are going to start to blow up with with a guy like Myers who. I, I'm not a bit the biggest fan of uh, already getting six. Those contracts are going to blow up. And I think, uh, you know, if you're, if you're confident in putting Gerard in a top four role, which I certainly am, and it looks like the abs certainly are, uh, it's going to seem like a steal really soon here. So um, in terms of what we want to see out of him in the future, I think you want to see him finish, finish plays, uh, draw opposing players to him and kind of be help on the offensive end by, with the puck on his stick a little bit more because obviously we've seen the spin move, but a lot of the time it just kind of, he spins and then yeah. dishes it off to somebody and it's, it, it doesn't really do a lot. So um, he has the skating skill. He has the puck skill. Um, the shot is what we need to see a little bit more of, but um, I I think that all of that is stuff that can, can be developed and we've seen flashes of it. It's just putting it all together in one game. Um, so, yeah, I think the Avs said, 
look, we see the upside here, and let's let's get him long term because I think we can get a serious top four NHL or top four defenseman out of him. Um, so yeah, he's but he's gonna. There's a lot expected of him this season. He's gonna have to step up a ton of parts of his game. Um, he had four goals and 23 assists in 82 games. Um, you'd like to see that jump up because out of a top four guy, I mean, I guess with McCarr, we're going to, we're going to really see what the offense can do, but, <laughs> yeah. but you know, if, if you want to put those two together, especially, uh, for a long term in this upcoming season, you want to see them be able to build offense off each other. And therefore you want to be able to see Gerard score, uh, off some dishes from McCarr as well. Yeah, it's. It's a contract where you look at it and you go, okay, in the immediate, given what he's produced so far, it's a little expensive. Right, definitely. Even if he doesn't improve that much, as we've said before, with the salary cap going up, it's not going to look that bad regardless at the end of it. If his game does improve like it could, it could end up looking really, really cheap. Right. And then you factor in, realistically, depending on how much of a legend Kale McCarr is, you're looking at Sam Gerrard as your number one defenseman in this coming yeah, season. Yeah. And you're paying your number one defenseman $5 million a year. EJ has done that job at $6 million a year for years now, and you're getting someone cheaper than that. Yep. And uh, how can you not just smile at that contract, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, and I, you know, in the future, he's going to be with, theoretically, with yeah. Byram, McCarr, and hopefully Timmins. I mean, if he doesn't start producing offensively in that environment, then I, I really don't know what to say. And I so point is, I see the upside going through the roof. Um, maybe I'm just homering and getting a little <laughs> too excited, but my blood is pumping. Uh, in, in terms of other places he can improve, though, um, I like his defense already. He's pretty solid, but um, likely being paired with EJ for a little bit of the year at least. Um He's going to have to step step that up and and be able to cover when EJ you know inevitably makes some mistakes. So hopefully, hopefully he can do that and hopefully he can step up both ends of his game. And I and I think all of that is definitely possible. But the the way he's impressed me so far is as a young small defenseman, he's shown the ability to be effective in both zones. So yeah, I I I'm I love the deal. No, no qualms there, honestly. Yeah, I I agree. It's something I've been asking the Avs to do for a long time is you have to start locking up right. the rest of your core. The, the time is coming where Landeskog is going to have to be re-signed in a couple of years. Yep. McKinnon, four years out, is still a good time, but it, it will come. And Gerard is the first piece to not just this window, but the future of the organization all the way out through the majority of this coming decade. Right. So look, if that's a piece you're going to hang your hat on, I'm down. Yeah. Same, same. (laughs) I'll take it all day. All right. One other piece that the Avs have yet to sign. The only player left for the Avs to sign. Miko Rantanen. I guarantee you he's going to make a dump truck load of cash. Yep. Not sure how much will actually be in the dump truck, but it's going to be a lot. Not sure how much term is going to be there. It's It's been talked about before, and the whole market seems to be stagnating behind Mitch Marner. Yeah, Nobody wants to blink first and end up signing a contract where it's 
way too far in either direction, whether overpay or underpay. Where do you think Rantanen ends up? Uh, yeah, so I think the interesting, in terms of Mitch Marner, I think the interesting thing is going to be if he ends up doing kind of a William Nylander situation where uh, he takes it into the season, I don't think the Avs are going to mess around with that at all. I agree. Um, but I, I they could push it, and it might be late in the summer, which, I mean, I, I'm totally okay with. Um, but sorry, what was your question? <laughs> uh, just... General ballpark for Miko Rantanen. Yeah, so, you know, I think realistically you're going to see in terms of term, Av said they want to take him long term, but they're willing to go short. I think you're going to see it end up somewhere in the middle, um, kind of like a, a, a Matthew deal with like five years. That would be my guess, would be somewhere in that range. Um, I would love for it to be seven or eight, <laughs> but um, I, I just don't think that's realistic because players know how quickly – those contracts are becoming more expensive year in and year out. So hopefully we'll see something a little bit long-term. Any, if anyone's worried about him signing with another team or getting offer sheeted or anything like that, that's just not going to no. happen. Yeah, so, don't worry about that. Yeah, we've got $16 million in cap space, and uh, yeah, and he wants to play alongside McKinnon. I don't think there's any reason for him to go. Um, but yeah, you, you touched on it. Extensions for Landis Cog, Grubauer, and then you're going to have guys yeah. like Makar and Byram and potentially Newhook. You know, yep. all these guys are going to be coming in, coming off their ELCs, and the Avs are going to become an expensive team really quick, especially if you have playoff and cup success. Then those, you know, you're going to end up overpaying your home players. So ideally, you'd like to keep it short, but. In the long run, if it's would I rather sign Miko or would I rather sign a guy like Grubauer, it's, it's Miko uh, <laughs> yeah. every single <laughs> right. time. So, I, you know, if they overpay, I'm very okay with it. And like I said, with the way we've seen the cap increase and these contracts go, um, I'm okay with a bit of an overpay. But in, in, in terms of dollar amount, you know, what, what's your max ceiling? What do you think is the most? Every time I get asked this question, I keep raising the amount. <laughs> so it's same same as when we were looking at Panarin, huh? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, at the end of the day, I think the Evs should do whatever it takes to get him on a seven or eight year deal. I, yeah. If that's eleven million dollars, it's eleven million dollars. Whatever, get it done. If you have to do a two year two year deal, I guess you have to. You will get him cheaper now for that but you're just going to end up paying more for him later it's it's just what's going to happen and and maybe miko says i that's what i'm doing i'm not giving you any other option and it is what it is the middle is where it gets dicey four-year deal might be okay Mm, four or three i forget if he has an extra year of uh ufa eligibility or not so either way Middle contracts I'm a little worried about because you could be walking him right to UFA. Yeah. And that's how much faith do you have in the guy? Do you think he's still going to want to be in Colorado in in five years? If so, okay, you can get him on a good contract for five years. You say this is a five-year window. Let's go win a cup. What happens if... You get close, but you don't manage to get it done, and then he walks. Uh, I, I mean, I know it's the present, so I can't see into the future right, here. But, right, of course. And I'll have twenty twenty hindsight later, but I can't see him wanting to. Why would you want to leave McKinnon? You know, they're they're similar in age. You're not going to 
it's rare that you're going to find someone of that age and that caliber. Um, so I don't know why you'd want to leave unless he pulls an NBA and wants to be his own superstar. Um, the guy's 22, and he's one of the best wingers in the NHL. He's he's right up there with with Marner in that conversation, and I think I think he could end up outshining him. It's it's gonna they're very similar caliber player, but uh, man, I yeah I I would I would pay him, and I in terms of the 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 length to it. Um. Yeah, I'm with you. Sign him for as long as you can, but I I can't imagine that you got to worry about UFA years. But uh, once again, I I don't know. I don't know what, how it all goes it, down. Yeah, it, obviously nobody knows. Sure, and it's you're just it's a little bit safer if if you split it either the short end or or get as many UFA years as you can now. Right, and as I've heard AJ say before, it's like. Are you really going to turn down eighty million dollars right. at twenty two years I know, old? Eighty eight million, like that, you're set for the rest of your right. life. Like, I, oh, yeah. I I understand wanting to get value for yourself. But Absolutely. Eighty million and a hundred million. I wouldn't know the difference. Yeah, seriously. I, I don't know how you spend all that. Yeah. So, it will be interesting. I I agree with you. I I think Rantanen's perfectly content with waiting until September. Yeah. But yeah. I think both sides will be very aggressive to get it done if the preseason games start happening and they're not signed yet. Yeah, I, I, I really don't see that becoming an issue for the Avs. I don't think that the talks would get that contentious. Yeah, I don't gotta think, think so it, either. Especially considering the cap space we have currently and that we have no one else to sign. Right. In in Toronto, you know, they're they're tight. really up against the it's wall. Tight. So, but the Avs are out of almost anyone in the free agent signing process right now, they should be the least worried about it. Um it's really just going to be a talk about term, I think. Yeah, I I do think that's what it will come down to as well. At, at the end of the day, he's going to get paid and I don't think the Avs will haggle too much on the the dollar value. It's yeah. just about finding the right dollar value for the right length. Right, because it's going to end up being a difference of probably a million or less. So, well, regardless of whether Miko signs for two years or eight, I can tell you he is going to be a game changer. So we're excited to tell you about some game changing coffee. StravaCraft is the CBD enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so be sure to check them out. This CBD infused coffee has taken away long term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it, it's done it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door that's going to do it for today's episode of the bsn avalanche podcast we appreciate you listening we've got a real fun show planned for you tomorrow as well so be sure to tune into that one might be a couple of fun arguments i have a suspicion on that show but we will talk to you then